Aren't you thankful that you and I have a rock of ages that we can depend upon, that we can rest in, that we can grow in? Now, let's take our Bibles tonight and open together to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and again, we come this evening with prayerful hearts, and uh, again, we are in the midst of our men on the march, and we're praying that God would help us grow in godliness, that we would... Do you realize that God's work is always advancing? God is not stagnant, nor should our lives be. He is constantly at work. Uh, and his, his purpose is for you and me to, to grow and be conformed to the image of His Son. To be more like Christ today than we were yesterday. To be more like Him tomorrow than we are today. And to grow in godliness. And as we return here to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, our prayer is that God would help us conclude this portion of Scripture tonight. Just by way of, of uh, review, we've been here looking at chapters 12, 13, and 14 for, for some weeks now. And this is the application of what Paul has stated. Next week, chapters 15 and 16 really are the culmination of, of the book of 1 Corinthians. They, uh, they speak of the, the gospel message, the, the coming of our Savior, the kingdom that He'll establish, the victory that we have in Him. And it's very climactic, and it's something that we have to look forward to, but we don't want to miss what God has for us here tonight. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read here the last few verses of chapter 14. Begin in verse number 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 Beginning in verse number 34, the Bible says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but, that they, uh, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Father, we thank you for the word of God this evening. And Lord, our prayer is that you would help us tonight. As we come to the Word of God, that our hearts would, would not be closed off. Lord, this is a very sensitive subject in our culture today. Uh, there are people who are confused and, and, how mis, and misuse, misrepresent the Word of God to accommodate their wishes. But Lord, may it not be so among us. Lord, our prayer is that you'd help us simply obey the Word of God as it's written. Lord, we, we understand that we're, we're nothing without Thee and Lord, we trust in you for all we need and all we have and all we are. So God, tonight we pray that you would speak to us clearly from the word of God, that you would challenge us, and Father, that you'd again help us become more like Christ. Father, maybe there's someone here this evening who doesn't know the Lord as Savior. Oh, Father, our prayer is that they would be saved here tonight. And so God, we pray for your, for your wisdom this evening. Help us rightly apply the Word of God to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in verse number 37. 
1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 37. Paul makes a statement here. He says, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. Would you mark that statement in your Bible? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about yourself? You ever thought about that? How do you, what do you consider yourself to be? You know, in our, in our hearts and in our minds, I, I like to think that I'm a godly man. I like to think so. I like to think that I'm, that I'm spiritual and that I'm concerned uh, for the things of God. I, I like to think that, that my, my goal is God's goal. That, that my will is broad in line with the Word of God. Now remember, tonight we're speaking concerning men on the march. And it's, it's interesting how God is, has ordered all of these things out. And, and we look at this passage, and some of us would read it, and just in the opening verse, in verse number 34, it's rather controversial, isn't it? It's controversial, and it, it ought not be so. God's word is not negative. It's positive. His words are health, are they not? And so much of what we face today, we, we view the unhealthy things that the world promotes as being healthy, as being right. But the reality is, if I will think myself to be a prophet or, or spiritual, I must bring myself again under the authority of God's Word. I'd like to draw your attention again to what we, what we noted this morning uh, the, in, uh, in verse number 32 of the same chapter. We see again the accountability that we have before God. It says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You realize that you and I are accountable to God's Word. Everything we do, we, we mustn't do flippantly, thoughtlessly, carelessly. Everything we do, we must run and filter through the lens of God's Word. You know that, that my, the way I view things may not always be right, but God's Word is always right. And, and our prayer is that God would reshape our thinking and help us be what we aspire to be. And that what we aspire to be is what He actually desires for us to be. What does God want us to be? God wants us to be godly. God desires that we be spiritual. God desires that we boldly proclaim His Word. Every one of us in here are to share the Word of God with others. It's our job. Uh, you know, in, in, in the life and ministry of the great Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he would preach his message on Sundays. And during the week, he'd have contingencies of men gathered around this, this, the, the places of London. And they would teach again what the preacher preached that week. I wonder how many of us do that. I'm not saying that the sermons I preach are profound by any means. I'm no Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if 
any queen of England would desire to hear what I have to say. But it doesn't matter what I have to say. It's about what God has to say, isn't it? And you and I are to commit these things to others. I want you to look with me, please, in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard and of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You and I are to be teaching others also. Look over in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. The Bible says in verse number 14, this is our theme for this year. In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. It's incredible what God has done here in 10 years. The Lord has formed a church, and we're thankful for that. It's the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. But the Bible says in verse number 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Where did Timothy learn these things? Where did he hear the word of God? Look back in chapter number 1, he says, in verse number 5, he says, When I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You and I were to be teachers. We are to hand down the, the truth of God's word. You and I are to be teachers of good things. And the Bible says back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, I want to be godly. But what does it mean? You know, I, I want my life to fall in line with the word of God. If, if I am then there will be fruit. Do you know what fruit is, don't you? I want you to write this down. We're going to give the definition of fruit. Fruit is the, inward, is the outward sign of an inward reality. Fruit is the outward sign of an inward reality. How do I know I'm spiritual? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There, there are telltale signs that you are a spiritual person, that you're godly. There are habits that will be in place in your life. There'll be actions that, that are manifest. There will be fruit. May I tell you, there's always fruit. Always fruit. It just depends on how good or how bad the fruit is. I don't want my fruit to be rotten. I don't want it to be gross or putrid to rancid. I want the fruit of my life to glorify and honor the Lord. And this evening as we come here tonight, we, we see some of the habits, if you would, the actions of a godly man. You look back here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. We see here that a godly man is the spiritual leader in your home, 
in their home. Men, you need to be the spiritual leader in your home. Be the spiritual leader in your home. Look, look what the Bible says. We look at this in, the negative, in a negative context, just by, by nature. We kind of cringe at it, don't we? God did not intend for this to be negative. He intended it to be positive. And we'll see some things here tonight that will demonstrate God's loving care for our families. He says here in verse number 34, Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home. Would you mark that statement here in your Bible? Let them ask their husband at home. Men, you are to be the spiritual leader in your home. My wife asks, my wife is a very intelligent lady. She is much smarter than I am. And she asks me some, some dynamite Bible questions. But you know what? It's my responsibility as a husband to know the Word of God so I can shepherd my home. As we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we find a command. And may I tell you that this is not about inequality. This is not about inferiority, but about God's love and value that he places upon ladies, upon women. God, God loves us all, doesn't he? But this command is, 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 uh, is found elsewhere in the Word of God. Why don't you look with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, we see the reason behind it. And then we'll look at the Old Testament, the law to which Paul refers. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, in verse number 11, it says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with, with sobriety. We see here that, that, God, that God places man, men as the leaders of their homes and the local church. Again, this is not because God despises women or, or places less value upon them. Remember the value that Christ places upon the church. The Bible says that he loved it and gave himself for it. Now, as husbands, we are a picture of Jesus Christ. And our wives are a picture of the church. And you and I are to love our wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Our wives, we are to love our wives and to give ourselves for them. Not because they're inferior, but because they're of a high price. They're, they're, they're priceless, aren't they? You cannot, whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. It's good, our wives are wonderful. Men, you ought to love your wife even more than you do. But we look back, I want you to look back in the book of Genesis, please. 
In Genesis chapter number 1, we're going to look, look and see here the context and find the answer, the reason which God gives for, for ladies to be silent and for husbands to be the teachers in the home. Look what he says in, in chapter number 1. We find the sixth day of creation. In verses 26 and 27, the Bible says there, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And if we look over, turn the page, of course God created male and female. That answers a lot of the questions that the world has today. God created you as a man, God created you as a woman. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm not a biologist, but I can tell the difference between male and female. And we, we funnel all of this through the Word of God, do we not? And, and so much of what is wrought today, the folly of our society and of our culture, is wrought by their, their willful ignorance uh, or the fact that they just willfully ignore the Word of God altogether. And so we see here that God's word is our authority in, in all matters of faith and practice. And it makes life easier, doesn't it? Well, God says it, that settles it. But in chapter number two, we, we see here kind of an aside, if you would. So God created man on the sixth day. In chapter two, we find an in-depth account of this creation uh, of man and woman. In, in Genesis chapter 2, look what it says in verse number 8. We'll read uh, several verses here in this passage. He says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so there we see the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't an apple, it wasn't an orange, it wasn't a passion fruit, it wasn't a banana. It was just a fruit, okay, uh, that, that they had eaten. But the Bible says, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And the name of the first was the Pison, that is, it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, there is bedellum and the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gion, and the, the same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia, and the name of the third river is Hedekel, which that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river of, is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the, the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. There is the clear command of God. Mark that verse in your Bible if you've never done so. This is the command that God placed upon Adam. This is the guardrail that he gave for their protection and for their good. And the Bible says in verse number 18, The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. 
I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made, uh, made he a woman and brought her unto, unto the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, uh, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We see this, the holiness of the union. Uh, We see the equality. We see the love and admiration. We see the fact that that Adam and Eve, they were complementary of each other. She completed the man. She was his helpmeet. And and we see all of these blessed and glorious truths surrounding the man and the woman. And we see here that that, that God created him. Again, God did not take a bone out of the man's skull uh, to make her lord over the man. Nor did he take a bone out from uh, Adam's foot so that Adam would lord over her, but a rib out of his side. Equality, equalness, no inferiority. There was was great love and admiration. And and we look here and we see that God began to establish some things. and, And God gave Adam the truth. And Adam was to tell his wife Eve that they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. They knew the command. However, in chapter 3, we find that sin enters into the world. We see here that the serpent, in verse 1, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Was that correct? That was correct. That's what Adam told Eve. That's what he had received from the Lord, back in verse 17 of chapter 2, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt what? Surely die. But what did, what did Satan do? He began to sow seeds of doubt and confusion in the heart of the woman. Look what he says. In verse 4, it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God's just being stingy. He doesn't want you to enjoy the fullness of what this life has to offer. God wants you to be in the dark. God wants you to be ignorant. God wants you to to enjoy less than what this world has. Isn't that a bunch of baloney? 
That was the argument that the devil brought. But you know that sin always has consequences. Sin always brings folly. Sin always has regret. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. There's always fruit. Depends on what kind of fruit you want. In verse 6 of Genesis 3, unfortunately, we find a sad reality. It says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And, God, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Would you mark that statement there? That question that God raised, Where art thou? Every Everything we do has consequences. Everything we, every action, you and I will be called into account of the Lord. Where art thou? Well, it's been discovered that they had sinned. They had disobeyed the command of God. And now, the Lord curses the ground. He curses the man. And He curses the woman. But in the midst of all of the curse, there's a promise. We looked at it on Thursday night, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The proto-evangelium. Remember the big word we learned? The proto-evangelium. The first mention of a Messiah in Scripture is not found in the New Testament. It's not found later on in one of the prophets or even the historical books. It's found right here in the book of Genesis. On the heels of man's sin, God makes the promise of a Redeemer. He says in verse number 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. But in verse number 16, we find something interesting here. And uh, the Bible says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. And thy desire, notice that word desire, thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. What does this mean, that her desire will be toward her husband? Ladies, it means that the woman wants to be in control. Her desire is going to be to lord over her husband, but that's not how it's going to be. In return, God says, he's, instead, he's going to rule over you. And we find this to be the case, even in chapter 4, in verse number 7, the Bible says this, If thou doest well, thou shalt, uh, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou... Doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You see that? This, this ruling, this, this authority, this position in place of authority. Why did God establish this? This is what the Word of God is referring to back in verse number 34 with the reference of the law. Why did God establish this to be the case? Because this was just the, the price to pay for sin? No, 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 no. Ladies, there is a great war against you today as if never before. 
The world is trying to thwart God's plan for your life. He's trying to make you discontent with who you are. And, he's, and the world is trying to give you the desire to be what God never intended for you to be. And may I tell you that what God intends for us, no matter if you're a woman or a man, is good. It's right and it's proper. And the reality is that God loves you. And He's given you the man. This is not chauvinistic. This is a demonstration of God's love for you. And men, this is why you and I must be the leaders of our home, the spiritual leaders of our home. Men, do you know what you are? You're the hedge. Years ago, I was watching something on the Discovery Channel. And they were in Africa, and they were sleeping outside, in, which is crazy. Why would you sleep outside at night in Africa? Don't you know there's things that eat you in Africa? There are places in, this, in, in, in the United States I would not sleep outside at night. There's bears in certain places, right? Big bears that will chase you and eat you, right? There's mountain lions that will inflict bodily harm. But anyway, in Africa, what they had done is they built this big hedge around their campsite. They spent a lot of time laboring and weaving these thorns together so that no lions or hyenas or jackals would, or leopards would come into the camp at night. That was that hedge that protected the campers, protected them from harm. Husbands, you are God's gift to your family to protect them from harm. This is not a matter of inequality. This is a matter of love. And we see that God has placed the man in certain leadership roles. He's the leader, not just in his home, but even in the local church. As we look back here tonight, we find that God gives clear commands surrounding the roles of men. Look again in verse number 34. He says, Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And, and we see this upside down in societies today. There are denominations that, that disregard the Word of God. There are churches that disregard the Word of God that, and, and they allow things that God has not permitted. And when they do so, they open themselves up to great apostasy and danger. And, and we see here, this is not because God is chauvinistic. Oh, no, no, no. God loves the world. But He wants... But God, may I tell you that God is an advocate for truth. And you and I, as men, we are to be leaders 
spiritual leaders in our homes. Are we? Men, how well do you know the Word of God? How often do you read the Word of God? When your spouse comes to you with a question, do you know the question? Do you know the answer to the question? Or do you know where to find the answer? Men, you are the shepherd of your home. Men are the leaders in the church. It's God's divine design. And we see that all the way back in Genesis chapters 2 and 3 and 4. I want you to notice another habit of godly men. It all ties together tonight. But they acknowledge the commands of God. They acknowledge the commands of God. Look what the Word of God says in verse number 36. The Bible says, What? Came the Word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, notice, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Acknowledge that they, the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Mark the word acknowledge. The word acknowledge means to recognize their authority and value, and then as a byproduct, to become fully acquainted with them. Are you fully acquainted with the commands of God? It's very hard, may I tell you, to be, com- uh, to be acquainted with all the commands of God. The Word of God is full of commands, isn't it? But look what he says in verse number 38. He says, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. There's a statement, ignorance is bliss. It's not true though, is it? You know what God says? He says his children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Where does this lack of, what is this lack of knowledge? It's ignorance. You and I, we can be ignorant, we can be willfully ignorant, but ignorance is no excuse. When you're in a construction zone on the interstate and you're driving 75 miles an hour and the police pull you over, well, I didn't know. Ignorance is no excuse, is it? Those fines are doubled. Those are some major points on your record. Ignorance is no excuse. We need to be acquainted with the Word of God. We need to know it. We need to meditate upon it. We need to memorize it and we, so that we can apply it to our lives and recall it to memory in, in moments of need. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You and I should know the word of God. I love my Bible. Uh, when, I, when this one is worn out, I'm going to try to find one exactly like it. Why? Because I know where everything's at. You read, I I study this Bible, I read this Bible, I know where things are on the page. Is Is that how you read your Bible? I'm looking for, I know it's in this far right column on the right page. Where am I at here? Let's see. Oh yes, here it is. How acquainted with this are you? Back in 2013, May of 2013, the week prior 
to our church's grand opening, we held a series of Get Acquainted meetings. And uh, we did so so that people could get acquainted with the kind of church we are. You know, this, whether you like us or not, this is who we are, right? So you can become more familiar with us. There are people looking for truth, aren't there? People looking for answers, searching, searching for things that only the Lord knows of. But we wanted people to know who we were and who we are so they become comfortable, familiar, acquainted with what God has called us to do. The commands of God. A godly man acknowledges the word of God. Thy words were found and I did eat them, the Bible says. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. God loves for his people to be lovers of his word. God esteems his word higher than his name. God places a great value on the scripture. You and I should value it. We should know it. We should read it. We should meditate upon it. We should give ourselves to understand it and become acquainted with the Word of God. But notice lastly tonight, the third habit of a godly man. If we think ourselves to be prophets, if we think ourselves to be, to be spiritual, notice this final ingredient of our lives. We will proclaim the gospel to all men. You will proclaim the gospel to all men. Look at the Word of God says in verse 39, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Mark that statement there. Covet to prophesy. Remember, the prophet is one who simply foretells the word of God. He's a proclaimer. And all of us are to be proclaimers, are we not? If you're saved tonight, you have a story to tell. You know the Lord is your Savior. Remember, there are three parts to a testimony. What your life was like before Christ. Now be careful not to glorify sin. You know, sometimes less information is more. Then tell people what your life, how you came to know the Lord. The circumstances surrounding your salvation. Share the gospel. You know, one day, I understood I was a sinner. and That apart from Christ, I couldn't get to heaven on my own. So I repented of my sin, and by faith, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And may I tell you, He changed my life. What your life was like before salvation, how you came to know Christ, and the great change God has wrought in your life since. You and I, we have a story to tell, don't we? We cannot help but share it. You know, being a preacher does not involve this. Sometimes it does, obviously. But may I tell you, concerning my life, this, 
occupies a very limited uh, schedule in my week. I'm not always standing behind this pulpit, but I'm always a preacher of the gospel. You know, we, you and I, we should witness as we go. As we live our lives, as we're out in, out in society, as we're at the grocery store, we're at the gas station, uh, when, when we're just out for a walk with our families, when we're at the park, when we're at Home Depot or Lowe's, you and I, we should be looking for someone to share the gospel with. May I ask you, where would you be without Christ? You know what Paul said, he would be most miserable. So would you and I, wouldn't we? Our lives would be miserable, they'd be empty, incomplete, but you and I are complete in Him. And we have a great story to tell, don't we? Sometimes we, uh, we, we don't always just seek the ability to proclaim the gospel. I, I, that's just not in me. That's not who I am. I don't know how to, how to do that. I don't know how to, how to share that. I, I might uh, you know, stumble over my words or not provide a clear, a, a clear uh, testimony or, or, or presentation. Well, just be willing. You know, you and I should not only just seek the ability from God to do it, but we should also seek the opportunity. Lord, give me an opportunity today. Lord, lead me to someone today. You'll be surprised what God will do. We must live our lives intentionally Seeking to save the lost. Church, I want to be a godly man. I don't want to just think of myself as a prophet or spiritual. I want to be that. Is that your heart's desire? It doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> I just want to be what God wants me to be. And God wants me as, as a husband and as a father to be the spiritual leader in my home. He wants me to, uh, to acknowledge His commands, to become familiar with His Word. Why? So I can share it. So I can proclaim it to all men. I cannot but speak the things that He's done. Will you allow the Lord to help you in these matters? Again, none of us are who we should be, where we should be. But Paul rightly stated, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's not in our flesh, but by God's Spirit we can. As we yield ourselves to Him, may the Lord guide us and help us. May our prayer tonight be for God to make us a godly people. Help us live godly lives that glorify and honor Him in all we say and do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.